Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. The reason we lift our hands is not because we all like early mornings. It's actually because we love Jesus. Is there anybody in this place today that says, I love Jesus? Come on, let's give God thanks this morning. Thank you, Lord. I love the psalm that says, enter his presence with the password, thank you. You know, and I, I just love to come to God on a Sunday morning, despite what's happening and say, God, I thank you. God, you're so good. God, you are great. And as Paul's already said, we are, next week, we're going to be in our joint service. And listen, I want Mansfield to take over next week. Anybody else? I would love to see every single one of you over there next week. Look, if you want to be nosy, you can go and look around over at Ilkeston. You've probably been hearing about Ilkeston for quite a while. And next week's just going to be a great time where we come together as our church family to just honour God, to hear from Christian, our lead pastor as well, about this next season. Who's enjoyed the Wisdom Work series that we've just come out of? Yeah, our summer series was, was so good. If you missed it, I'd encourage you to go back and take another listen. But uh, I just have a, a reprieve this week, uh, just a one-week slot just to speak, maybe from my, from my heart and where I feel God wants to take us in this next season. Because next week, we're going to be starting a series that I genuinely believe, I was speaking to Jared about this before the service and said it to some of the other guys, I believe this next series that we're going to step into could be one of the most important we've ever heard in the life of our church. So I'd encourage you again next week to be there. But let's go to Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 in the message version. He says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working with us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. How good is that? That's pretty good, isn't it? Come on, uh, let's try that again. How good is that? Uh, come on, you can feed back this morning. That Yeah, it, it is worthy of that. Come on, we are not a church that's quiet. We're a church that's loud. This morning, when you hear something you like, you can shout me down. That's fine. Have you ever been surprised that something happened to you? Yeah. You know that thing where you, I've seen it lots of times in our English culture where a raffle goes round, for example, and someone buys a ticket and most of the time someone will say, I'll buy one, but I won't win it. It'll never happen to me. Anybody done that before? I've done it before. You see, you know, you see the uh, Anton Deck Saturday night takeaway and someone wins £50,000 and you're like, that never happened to me. You know, you don't put yourself in it because you think it won't happen to you. See, what we're doing in that scenario is we are lowering our expectation so that in the eventuality that we actually don't win the prize or whatever it may be, we aren't so disappointed. So I think this is a byproduct of, of the English culture in, in which we live. We love to play it down, to think less of ourselves, to under-egg rather than exaggerate. See, our American counterparts don't have this problem. I mean, they're out there. If there's something to be won, they're going to win it and they are going to tell you that they're going to win it as well. They're the opposite side of the spectrum 
to us. This last week, I had the joy of going to the T20 cricket with um, my, uh, some, of the, some of the guys from my family. And, and it was just a great night out. And what they had at the T20, so if you don't know, T20 cricket is trying to make cricket relevant. And they've done a pretty good job. So there's fireworks and there's flames when a six is here. And it's pretty exciting. It's really good. But what they did is they, they did this thing sporadically throughout the night where they would throw t-shirts into the audience. Now the idea is, is that the crazier you are, you know, you've got more chance of getting a t-shirt. So these t-shirt throwers come round, they're ready to throw the t-shirts round, everybody go crazy. And there the audience are going, yeah. <laughs> now, now, I've seen this in America, okay? I've been to an NFL game in America, sorry, an American football game in America, and I've seen this happen there. Now, they don't just throw them out in America. They have guns to fire them out. And they're, they're like peppering the crowd. You know, people are getting hit in the eyes, going to A&E, everything. It's serious. And when the T-shirts come round, when there's something to be won, let me tell you, the crowd are there. They're taking the tops off, they're dancing. They don't even care about the prize. They just want to win it. Like they're putting themselves out there. They're putting themselves forward. They're losing their minds because they want to win it. Now, I'm not saying America is completely right on their approach to self-promotion. But I tell you what, our society need some higher expectations. Yeah. You know, in at times in this country, we're so quick to talk ourselves out of it, to say it'll never happen to me, to lower our expectations because of the fear of failure, because of the fear of what someone might say or think. See, I I've heard this said about churches as well. People reason away why God did something in some other place, basically to say it couldn't happen here. You've heard people say it. Oh no, it happened in Sydney, Australia because of X, Y, and Z. And it happened in America because of this. And, and the church is growing amazingly in Africa because of this. But Mansfield, really? But I want to poke this outlook in the face today. And I want to challenge us to think bigger. I want you to think bigger for your life. I want you to think bigger for your kids. I want you to think bigger for this town. And I want you to think bigger for our church. See, I believe that we're gonna see a move of God in Mansfield. I believe that we can see the lost found, the broken made whole, the sick healed and the addicted set free. Is there anybody in this place this morning that has the faith to believe that God can do it here? Come on, I believe God can do it. See, I believe God has called us to impact this community and the surrounding areas, not just to build a big church, but to transform a community. You know, God's heart is not just to make some leader's ego bigger by putting a few people in seats. God wants to transform people. God wants to change people. God wants to bring resurrection and restoration to areas. Here's the funny thing about Jeremiah, the, the verse that Paul was talking about. See, this, uh, that area had been ravaged. They'd been absolutely disgraced. The, the, uh, Jerusalem had been broken down. But God said this, hey, there's going to be a new day. A new day's coming and I'm going to restore this place. I believe God's going to restore Mansfield. I believe he can do it. A lot of people have said, no, it'll never happen there. But they are exactly the places that God loves to show the world that he can do it again. 
I believe God can do it in 2019. Let me remind you again of those words in Ephesians 3.20. God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working with us. I think that's funny because I think people think that when it comes to church, when it comes to religion, that God just wants to turn you into a robot and make you do X, Y, and Z. God doesn't push you around. He does it by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. God can do more than our wildest dreams. Don't you love that? I've got some pretty wild dreams. Anybody else? It's time to start dreaming big and thinking long. It's time for the church to lead the way when it comes to hope. It's time for us as a church to be purveyors of hope in our world. Today, the title of my message is A Move in Mansfield. And that's right, it's got a question mark at the end. A move in Mansfield? Because some people will question it. Some people would say it can happen here, but I believe it can. I want to look at a church that was in a similar position to us and they saw amazing growth. In Acts 1 verse 12 to 15, it says this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of half a mile. Basically, just to give some context, they had just come back. Jesus had just ascended. He had just gone to heaven. The guys were stood looking up at the sky as you would do. Some angels came and said, "Uh, what are you doing? (laughs) He's gone. And he'll come back just as quickly as he went. So these guys walk away and here we find them on the trip back, half a mile back to Jerusalem. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Now, I find this this chapter and this verse amazing because this is where really we see the church birthed. This is where we see it all start. This is where it all began to happen. See, the church we're going to look at today is, is this Acts 1 and Acts 2 church. I mean, just put yourself in their shoes. They had just seen this amazing leader, Jesus, the greatest leader ever to walk the planet for three years, do amazing things. They'd seen him open blind eyes, make deaf ears hear. They'd seen him raise the dead. They'd seen him love the lost and hurt and help the broken. And Jesus, as he said he would, went through a horrendous death, died, rose again as he said he would, and then he showed up to them a few times and went back to heaven. See, I find it intriguing because throughout the Gospels, we see that thousands flock to Jesus. You, can, you read any Gospel, you'll see that people were just flocking around Jesus. There were thousands and thousands. You think about the time when Jesus fed the 5,000. See, that 5,000, that number is just the men. They were just counting the men, not including women and children. So there were probably tens of thousands, 10,000 at least in that gathering. Thousands flocked to Jesus. But here we find them in Acts 1, Jesus is raised to heaven, and it doesn't say there's thousands. 
It doesn't say there's 1,000. It says there's 120. We have left here the core group who clung to what Jesus had said. See, a lot of Jesus' followers, they'd walked away. They were confused. They were scared. And they're in disbelief. But here we have the core waiting for what Jesus would do next. See, Jesus had told the leaders to wait in Jerusalem for the gift that the Father will send, the Holy Spirit. And here this group are, faithfully praying, faithfully waiting for God to move. They elect a new member of the leadership team in place of Judas, who betrayed Jesus. And then in Acts 2, as they were praying, God broke in. Peter stood up and preached the first message that was preached by someone outside of Jesus and 3,000 people were saved on that day. In the coming weeks, his church expanded to a number that couldn't even be counted. In Acts, we see that there was one service where everybody from the town came. That's amazing growth, isn't it? This is growth beyond our wildest dreams. And all of this came from a faithful few who decided to take Jesus at his word. Now, immediately today, some people here are thinking, Josh, yeah, but that's the Bible. That's Peter and, and James and John and the apostles. Can God do it here today? I believe he can. I believe God can do something amazing in Mansfield. Is it going to be the same as that? Probably not but I believe God wants to do a new thing. I believe God's heart is still to restore people, still to bring people back to himself, to bring people back into his kingdom. You see, Acts is the one book of the Bible that never got finished because it continues today with you and me. We are continuing to see God work in and throughout our lives, aren't we? So what were the hallmarks of this first church? Well, the first thing is this. They were united. They were united. It says in verse 14, it says this, they all met together and were constantly united. See, this was what set this church up to win. They were, they were united. Even when they only had a number of 120, even when there would have been lots to disagree on, this community chose to be together not just together in one place, not together physically, but together also in spirit. You know, you can be together in a room with someone and think very different things. But these people were together in one heart and one mind we see later on in Acts. See, they could have fallen out about all types of things. They're in the midst of a vote to appoint a new member of the leadership team. They'd lost their ultimate leader, Jesus. And I'm sure these people coming in for a lot of criticism from family and friends saying, no, no, Jesus is dead. He's gone. What are you doing? You've lost your mind. But see, unity is always a choice. It doesn't just happen. It takes strength, loyalty and character to choose unity because it's easy to be drawn into gossip and gossip is always divisive. Gossip leads to disunity. See, it can be easy to criticise behind someone's back, to, to pull down because of our own insecurity and our own inadequacy. I think the reason our world struggles with this so much is that because we feel like if we build somebody else up, it will reveal our weakness. If we build someone else up, if we, 
If we commend somebody else, if we compliment somebody else, it might reveal that we aren't where we want to be. So we pull down to maybe make ourselves feel in the temporary a little bit better. But let me tell you, it takes a strong person to live in unity. If we want to see God move in a way that we've never seen, we need to demonstrate a unity that our world has never experienced. I'll say that again. If we want to see God move in a way we've never seen, we need to demonstrate a unity that our world has never experienced. See, so often the church has been known for hurting people, church splits, people having bad experience. I want to tell you today, if that's you, that's not God. That's not the heart of Jesus. That's just broken people. It's time, Arena Mansfield, for us to demonstrate something different, for us to be known for how we love each other, how we protect each other, how we lift each other up, even when we're weak. And that takes strong people who are confident in who God has called them to be. You know this, but I'm not perfect. No one in this place is perfect. We will make mistakes. And we need people in our imperfection who will, first of all, help us, who will talk to us about it. We need a few people around us. I've got an amazing few guys around me who will tell me when I'm, I'm getting off track a little bit. But also, we don't need people who are going to jump all over us behind our back. We don't need people who are going to criticise us behind our back. We don't need people who are going to say nasty things about us. We need people who are going to lift us up so we can go again. Who wants to live in that type of community? I want to live in that community. See, unity isn't always agreeing, but what it is is choosing to look to what unites us rather than what divides us. And this is why the church should be the most unified place on the earth because we have one huge person who unites us and that's Jesus. See everything else, the bits we disagree on, we can get past those because we share this love and faith in Jesus. I don't care who you vote for politically. I don't care where you stand on Brexit. I don't care which foot, I'm not gonna say that because I do care which football team. (laughs) I don't really care which football team you support. What I care about is this, is that we're trying to follow Jesus the best way we can together. And you know what? That should be the thing that unites us. I love that there's people in this place from all different backgrounds, all different outlooks, people who've been in church for maybe 70 years, people who've been church for two weeks. But we all choose to look to what unites us rather than what divides us. You know, there's some churches where all people talk about is the style of music and it's not my style and it's not my thing and it's not this and it's not that. I love that we come together as a church to say, hey, it's not all about me. It's about God reaching a lost, broken world. I'm in for that type of community. Anybody else? Come on, if we're going to do it, let's do it. Psalm 133, and this is a little bit of a paraphrase, says this, where there's unity... God commands the blessing. Do you want the JTO version of that? That's the Josh Turner opposite version. Where there is no unity, God doesn't command the blessing. See, I think there's people in here and you've been wanting breakthrough personally. You've been wanting breakthrough in your personal life. And I believe the best way to see acceleration personally is to be be someone who uplifts unity corporately. 
I honestly believe that as I um, choose unity, as I choose not to drag down, as I choose to build up, that God will accelerate me and bless me in my personal life because I choose to come under cover of something bigger. You know, there's times, I, I don't like the word no. Anybody else like the word no? There's times a Christian says no to me and I'm like, do you know who I am? <laughs> Christian, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. But because it's not all about Josh Turner, because it's all about God's church, because I know that Christian's heart is for this church, if it's a no to me from Christian, I say, cool. And we move together because I choose unity. I don't choose to go home and slide Christian off behind his back. I don't choose to come to the team here and say, Paul, you, you don't know what Christian's been saying to me. <laughs> I choose to say, hey, mate, I know that you care about what I care about, and that's Jesus. And that's more important than my own agenda. I don't know about you, but I need God's blessing on my life. And we need his blessing on this church. So unity can be the only option. Let's choose to live in unity. Let's choose to lift one another up. Let's choose to love. Let's choose to look to what, who unites us rather than what divides us. I, I, I'd love to live in a community like this. And I love here, I love here that we're getting there as well. You know, there's people who've joined our church in the last year or so, and they say, one of the things people say about this place is that it's so welcoming. And it's so easy to become a part of. And you know what? You need to be commended for that because that's not just a couple of us. That's all of us. But you know what? We can do even better, can't we? And there's going to be more people who join us and there's going to be more people who come. And we need to maintain those open arms that say, come on in. Come and experience what God is doing. See, the next thing we see from this community is that they were built on a foundation of prayer. Verse 14 says, so basically I, I, I just left two words off the end of verse 14. It says this, they all met, met together and were constantly united in prayer. In prayer. See, this first church knew that they had to pray first. We have a motto here at Arena Church that prayer is our first response and not our last resort. Prayer isn't something that we just think, oh, if everything else is fair, I'll pray. No, no, no. Prayer is our first response. Prayer is where I go first. You know, what you do first reveals your heart. That's why I encourage people to come to God first every morning. Because I want God to know that God, I care about you first in this day. God, I'm going to seek you first, God. I'm going to put you first in my life. And this church, they were showing us here that right at the start, that they were putting God first in prayer. They knew that coming together in prayer was so important. Now, we are just starting uh, again this week after the summer break. We're starting our prayer gathering on a Tuesday morning at 6.30. Now, I know that's early. I know a lot of people in bed, but I want to ask you this year, we do it every other week, 6.30 till 7.30. You'll be gone by 7.30. I just wonder if there's some people this year who will decide to come out and pray with us. I just wonder if there's some people who will count the cost of waking up a bit early, count the cost of maybe moving things around and say, I'm going to come and I'm going to pray. You know, we can often make it, I could, I could say, you'll feel so much better after you come. You might do, you might not. 
But it's not just about us, is it? It's about coming together as God's church and praying that he'll move. So if you want to be there, be there 6.30 Tuesday morning. We'd love to see you. But this church wasn't just based on a charismatic leader. They had a charismatic leader. It wasn't just based on a world-class worship team. It wasn't even the great cakes after the service. We do have great cakes here after the service. But this church was built on Jesus. And what does prayer do? It reminds us of this. It reminds us that we need him more than anything else. That he is the only one worth building on. You know, if the arena church is built on Christian or on me or whoever it may be, it will fail because we are not eternal. We are not perfect. And, but this church was so reliant on prayer because they knew that the only stable and firm foundation is Jesus. See, we've seen some amazing things happen here over the last year, haven't we? Just look around, new faces, people here that we maybe didn't even have a few weeks ago. Phenomenal, great momentum, all that stuff. But the second we start walking around, patting ourselves on the back, like, look how great we are, that is the second that we fail. Because you know what? It isn't about us, it's about Jesus working in this place. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. See, we don't make things grow. If you're, you know, gardeners here today, you will know that what you can control is the soil that you plant in. You can control how much water the garden gets. But you can stand there all day staring at that plant. You can talk to it. You can play meditational tapes. You can do whatever you want for that plant. That will not make it grow. God brings the growth. And it's the same in this church. We don't bring the growth. We control what we can control. We do our best in what we can do our best in. But we know that God makes things grow. And this is why we pray. I told you a little bit about the new series we're starting next week. This series on prayer. And I honestly believe it has the capacity not only to change your life personally, but also revolutionise us as a church as well. And that's why, you know, I know I joke about us all going over there, but it's not just for a trip out. I believe next week is going to be pivotal in the life of our church. And I would love you to be there because of that. As Christian opens up this new series. And on top of that, we've gone out and we bought everybody, every member of our church, well, every family in our church. So basically one per family. We bought you all a book. And not just like a a 20p pamphlet. We bought you a AAA, top selling, great book on prayer that we're going to go through together. It's a devotional, prayer devotional. I've been through it as well, and I'm going to be going through it again as we do as a church. And let me tell you, it's amazing. And you don't want to miss that either, do you? But one of the the quotes from that book is this. Mark Batterson, he says this. We work like it depends on us, but pray like it depends on God. I love that. I love that. Because so often people have said, I'm praying about it. I've known people who are praying about it for 20 years and nothing's happened. Because what does it say in the Bible? Faith without deeds is dead. See, I believe that prayer always leads us to action. I I believe that prayer always leads us to, to move, to do something. 
See, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says that we are God's fellow workers, or another version says we are co-workers with Christ. You see, you might almost find it blasphemous that we do what we do and then God does what he does. No, God chose it that way. God wants to work with us. He wants to work with us. He wants to work through us and he wants to work in us. See, when you pray first, you don't move in your own strength. You move in God's. You don't move of your own volition. You move as part of God's plan. And I believe that this is powerful. Who wants that tomorrow morning as you go into the office knowing that you are going with God right by your side? Who wants to know that when you come to that big meeting that it's going to be God's God who speaks through you? It isn't just going to be your words because that's what I ask for every single day because I need that from God. Chris Hodges planted a church 18 years ago and today they have 50,000 people showing up. Whenever he's asked the secret, he says this, prayer is the secret source. I don't believe we'll see a move in Mansfield outside of prayer. We need to come together and pray. We need to pray in our homes. We need to pray in our workplaces. We need to pray with each other. See, I've never been more aware that we need to win the battle first in prayer. Ephesians 6.12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. If we want to see this town transformed, a fight won't be won in the natural. It will be won in prayer. I know that I'm not able to fight this battle on my, my own, but I know that God is able to win every fight. I know that in Christ, I have the victory. I know that with God, there is not a battle that I can't win. See, the world's looking for you to stand up and be counted. God's looking for you to drop to your knees and pray. Now, I've run out of time and I've still got about 17 points left. So I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to rush quickly through this next one. But the next thing we see is that they added to their leadership team. And you go and check it out for yourself. Acts 1 verse 21 and 22. We see that they were going to replace Judas who had betrayed Jesus. And they chose to do this. They went through a vote. They did it. They replaced him. There was prerequisites for the vote. They wanted the right person. But what I find interesting and important from this is that in the midst of a move of God, just before this amazing revival takes place, that they did something so practical. They did something so practical to, to sort out the leadership. See, I want you to know this, that God doesn't work in chaos. He works in order. And that's why we do what we can do. That's why I plan a message. I don't just stand up here and, and decide, oh, what should I say today? Now we plan and ask God to breathe and ask God to move on it. See, this leadership team enabled them to pastor, to steward, to look over the people that were to come. Were they stretched at times when 3,000 people said, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus? Yeah, I bet they were. But they did the best they could with what they had. And here's the point. We need everybody here to get involved. We need everybody here to come together to build this thing we call the, the church. We need everybody to give all you have to see God move in this town. And that's going to mean different things for different people. But we need people in all areas of this church. We need small group leaders. 
hosting team leaders, worship leaders, growth track leaders, hospitality leaders, community leaders. We need church leaders. And the list will go on and on. But we need you to get on a team. I hope you know today that you were created on purpose for a purpose. God's got a plan for your life. You might have taken lots of detours. You might have maybe, maybe done some things that you're not too proud of, but you are here today. And I know that God would say this to you. You can go again. I've still got a plan for you. He's still got a heart for you to move in your own life. You're not just here taking up a seat. You're not just here sucking air. You are here on purpose for a purpose. And as the band come up, finally we see that God did what only he can do. Acts 2 verse 1 to 13, it says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit <coughs> and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud, loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. Amazing. God broke in. Peter, the leader, or Peter, I guess the, the face of it at that point, stood up and he said, he told them about Jesus. He told them about Jesus. 3,000 people said yes to him that day. See, this church, they'd done everything they could do. They prayed. They were together in unity. They sorted out the leadership structure. They sorted out the team. But then God did what only he can do. See, we've not been left alone to get on with this and just sort it out. We have the power of God with us in the form of the Holy Spirit. See, people can get spooked out by talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Bible calls him the helper. The Bible calls him the comforter. The Holy Spirit is God with us and God within us each day. See, it's the Holy Spirit who will give you the words when you don't know what to say. It's the Holy Spirit who will make you strong when you feel weak. It's the Holy Spirit that will open doors that cannot be opened by you. The Holy Spirit is God within you. And today you can feel it. You feel something inside you and you're not quite sure what it is. I'll tell you what that is. That's God, the Holy Spirit, working in you right now. See, we can control our part, 
But when we do our part with faith in God, He loves to break in and play His part. Let me take you back to that verse in Ephesians 3.20 that we started with. This is the New International Version, a a, a different translation. It says, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to His power that's at work within us. I want to tell you today that God is able to do immeasurably more through you. But don't get the fact that He does it through us mixed with the fact that He does it according to us. See, He doesn't do immeasurably more because of us. He chooses to do it through us. He does immeasurably more because of who He is. So this means that you don't have to go in your own strength. You don't have to go in your own power. You don't have to go in your own perfection because if that was the case, we would all fail. But because it's according to His power at work within us, we go with God's strength. We go with God's perfection. We go with God's words. We go with God's heart, fueling the way for us. And this makes all the difference. See, I, I, like I said, I look back on this last year and I'm amazed at what God's done. And I believe that we'll look back again in a year's time and we'll be amazed again. But just imagine what God can do in five or 10 years as we come together in unity, as we build a foundation of prayer, as we continue to serve and lead, and as we trust that He will do what only He can do. Church, God wants to surprise us. He wants to knock our socks off. He wants to amaze us. And He wants to show us what He can do in a community that will honour Him. Can we see a move of God in Mansfield? Can we? You bet we can. I believe we're going to see this community transformed. And God will use us to impact Mansfield, but also the areas surrounding this. As we send new people out. Can we see a move of God in Mansfield? I believe it. I just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to pray. And first and foremost, I'd love to pray for people who don't know Jesus yet. If you are not a follower of of Jesus, if you've not given your life to Jesus, I'd love to give you a chance to do that today. I said about that, that feeling that you've got inside. You might not be able to vocalise it, but what it is, is this. It's God calling you to Himself. It's God saying that this is home. It's God saying, come back to me. I believe that God created you to know Him. And you say, Josh, there's something missing in my life. Well, I believe what's missing is not the car, is not the money, it's not even that relationship. What it is, is a knowledge and relationship of Jesus. And Jesus today would say, come back to me. You might have heard all different things about God that He's mad at you, that that He's angry at you. It's not true. God loves you and He wants to know you. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, if you want to say yes to Jesus today, if you want to say, Josh, I want to start this journey of getting to know Jesus. If that's you, I just ask you to lift your hands now. Well, no one's looking around. If that's you, just lift your hand to God as a sign to you and a sign to God.